to Riverdale and back again. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Podcast brought to you by geekconfidential.com. My name is Luke Kerr. Joining me today, we have Melody Akels. Welcome, Melody. Hey, hey. Also joining me, we have Mo Walker. Welcome. Hi, everybody. We expect Jamie Giddens' arrival to be imminent. We will see what happens there. But in the meantime, since he doesn't watch Timeless, let's talk a little bit about the awesomeness of Timeless being canceled and then revived. Mel. Dan is mm-hmm. not here, but when the like when the news came across, he was all up in his tears and things on Twitter and online about the cancellation. And I got these like j- all caps messages on on Twitter. <laughs> and then like a couple days later, I get all these all caps messages on Twitter that are like, it's been picked up. <laughs> what did you think of the news? So originally... When the first news dropped that it was canceled, I was pissed. I was so mad. I was like, how can you do this, NBC? This was actually a good show. Y'all haven't had a good run in a couple of years. Y'all had y'all got real lucky with This Is Us, got Timeless too. I'm so mad. I was just in my heart, I was just like, I know that Emerald City died so Timeless could live. I know that's what happened. And then that's not what happened. So I was still a little bit salty over it for the next couple of days. So then the news dropped on a Saturday of all days that Timeless has now been uncanceled. It is coming back for a second season. And I happened to be napping. So I woke up like two hours after everything happened and I had 27 Twitter messages from everybody going, did you see about Thomas? Did you see? I was like, what? What? This is for real? This is real. No one's lying. Like, this isn't like an internet rumor, blah, blah, blah. No, it was for real. They uncanceled Timeless. It was fantastic because that very, very rarely happens. You know, especially on network television for them to say, hey, we canceled this show. And you know what? No, OK, just kidding. Just kidding. It's going to come back. And I think they said it's going to get 10 episodes, which is fine. I don't care. I just need to know what happens. Rittenhouse and her mom and Gia and Rufus. I, this is, there's so many things that I need to know. I am so thankful just to have these 10 episodes episodes back because that is a fantastic show and for anybody that hasn't watched it i know you hear us you know fangirl and fanboy over the show all the time we really it's for real like the show is good and how many of those 27 plus tweets were from dan just out of curiosity Um, a good half of them i was gonna say (laughs) mo i know you were on some of those tweets from dan what was your reaction at first i thought it was a joke and then i looked at it and then I, I went to the producers, the executive producers' uh, Twitter page, and then I was like, I just started yelling. I, I was just so excited. I'm so glad that NBC decided to take a take a chance because I just couldn't figure out why would they pick up Taken, and because Taken 
did probably worse. Than, I believe Taken did worse in that time period. And I was like, uh, Timeless got a little bit more heat going behind it than than Taken. So I was really excited that it's picked up. You know, and I'm glad to get whatever number of episodes that they're going to give us, and we'll just see what happens. I believe that part of the reason why there was an issue is that unlike I believe. And I can, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Taken is partially owned by NBC, where Sony owns Timeless. So that there was, is correct. So that's there, correct. Yeah. So there was some financial things involved. But it's here, cheaper to produce Taken than it is, is Timeless, but definitely. Timeless has the better ratings over Taken. And they also said that in the end, with all the live viewing and the DVR and blah blah blah, Timeless was the number four most viewed show on NBC Point Blank period. I cannot wait to see what happens with Flynn, Lucy, Wyatt, Rufus. I just really hope that NBC and Universal takes the time to capitalize on the uniqueness and specialness of a show being canceled and then revived. Because, And I put this on Twitter. I really think that if they were smart, at some point between now and its return in the summer of 2018 they should do a binge marathon of like the first season and completely go for broke play up the whole idea of this is a show that survived cancellation and do like behind the scenes interviews with the stars like what they went through and have them tease what's coming up in the new season get the guest stars on like in this case we love brandon barash he was on there mm. get the multiple guest stars have them do some behind the scenes things see how many of those people you can like get back in a new way um, or in, in playing the same characters in the next season and make an event out of it when doctor who comes back at, at the end and in the middle of episodes you get these like quick little interview questions with a star who's talking about some sort of scene a lot of times shows like on the walking dead will have like after the after show um orphan black had an after show doctor who will have like in in the lead up a thing that's just sort of a recap of previous seasons and what to look forward to They've got sci-fi and they've got USA Network where they could do this. Plus, of course, there's going to be like the streaming options where people can stream it. But I think that if they did a simultaneous broadcast across USA and uh, sci-fi, it would be an opportunity or maybe it doesn't have to be simultaneous, but it would be an opportunity to broaden the exposure for this really special show on places where in some cases like sci-fi people who watch sci-fi might already be watching timeless but maybe there's people on on that who gravitate towards that network who haven't and then like on USA which is like one of the most popular cable channels in terms of ratings doing some sort of event thing with special stuff might get people to check it out and then at, through the entire thing if you're doing these interviews if you're and you're airing the episodes you you put out the return date and you get people excited about it coming back. I think there's an opportunity to do something there. What would you guys like to see happen in the new season? Oh man. I want to know more about her mom, Lucy's mom's side of the family. Mm -hmm. I think that would be interesting because you know, that was the big reveal at the end was her mom was like, Oh, Rittenhouse wouldn't allow you know, all of these things to happen. You and me and your father both come from strong Rittenhouse families. And I'm like, what? It was like mind blown. So like, I want to know how her mom's side of the family factors into all of this. I want to know what happened to Garcia Flynn. Like, 
they betrayed him at the end. He's so pissed, but Lucy got her diary back. So how how was all of how is all of this going to work out in the new season? I want to know more about Rufus and Gia, especially Gia, since she's had those flashes of you know San Francisco and where it was in ruins, and then she comes back. So clearly, like something's going on with her. Like there's a there somewhere, but who knows if it's in the present or if it's in the past? I think that's always an interesting concept, especially on this show. So th- there's a lot. There's there's just a lot. Mo, what are you? What would you like to see? I mean, Mel took most of mine. Definitely. Like- no, no, no. It's it's totally okay. You know, I'm the main thing is is I want to delve into Lucy's mother's background. Um, you know, again, I, I was shocked, but it's not surprising considering the actress played Moira Queen on Arrow, and you saw how treacherous she was on that show. So I can only imagine what she she's gonna do on the next season of Timeless. I do want to get more into. Maybe that hopefully they'll explain a little bit more about her uh, Lucy's sister. And did they know that uh, she was going to disappear when they changed mm. things? I mean, what's going on with that? I mean, was she a sacrificial lamb? Mm. And I love oh. that Lucy, you know, that's her main goal. Her goal mm-hmm. of doing all of this is just to get her sister back. Yep. And no one else seems to care. Yep. So. And I also hope that I, I kind of tired of the Wyatt trying to track down his mm-hmm. wife's killer. Let her go. Let, yeah, I, I want that to, I want them to let that go and let God, you know, just mm-hmm. let's just move on from that. Hopefully, hopefully uh, they'll just move on from that. I wouldn't mind seeing, um, of course, Ernest Hemingway coming back. Uh, our man Johnny Zakar come back <laughs> if they can try to get him to come back. I'd love, I'd love for that to happen. Yeah, I I want him as well as Sean McGuire from Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. He was really good as Ian Fleming. Yes. Yeah. So those were those are two my two like they need to come back in season two. I liked but um, I, Houdini, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was good. It was good. On one hand, I want them to come back and I really, really want them to come back. On the other hand, I'm like, if they come back, does that just mean that something's going to be retread and we're not going to then potentially be able to further the story? Or in the season finale, we watched and saw how things had changed so much outside of the hospital windows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. they could maybe they could bring those two characters back as a little bit of deja vu, mm-hmm. and, but in, with new personalities, or they maybe make different decisions than they did on the original time they visited them. So there's an opportunity to play around with that. Um, it's just, um, we'll see what happens. I'm really looking forward to it. So I have a question. I'm, I have a question. Okay. Would anyone be opposed to a Lucy Wyatt romance? Because they play around with it on the show. I don't want Lucy and Wyatt. I want Lucy and Flynn. Mm, mm. I don't know. Mm, that's interesting. Because, mm. well, but that goes to my whole theory. That's why I want Lucy and Flynn. Because remember at the end of your podcast, I proposed that she might be the wife who was murdered see okay i think like part of me thinks that because i'm like there has to be a reason why how did he get the journal how do you get the journal and why are you exactly just on her he's always so very you know it's not like he's like um you know oh no i'm gonna kill you 
he's always he's super protective of her. So I'm exactly. like, I wonder if that's actually his wife, and he had to go back in time to try and save his wife. Like, and the thing is, is he probably can't mess with her, quote unquote, too much because if he does, then they may not end up together. You're just gonna, like the space time continuum. It's very important. So I don't know. Like I kind of think that too. Or sometimes I wonder. I'm like, I wonder if she's like his daughter in the future or some like some kind of relative i don't know that that's a complicated thing the only other thing that i can think of is what if his wife was her sister okay okay <clears throat> for me personally no i do not want wyatt and uh lucy together i want lucy and flynn together but mo what are your who do you who, which of those two couples or someone else would you like i think uh Lucy and Flynn seem to have more heat when they're in scenes together. Um, but I, I definitely, you can definitely tell that they're Kim testing Wyatt and Lucy. I oh, mean, yeah, because they're, they're playing around with it big time. But, you know, I can, I, I totally ship Garcia, Flynn, and Lucy. See, the thing about the thing about those two characters is that if they put them together, that all of a sudden makes Rufus, Rufus the third, the third, third man week. out. That's why. And, and I hey, don't want like, that to happen. I want them. No. I want them to be the three, the triad that he, works the so well together. Team, but you know they have yes. to do something to test the team. Like it has to be done in season two or maybe three if we but get I there. Think, but I think in part we've seen that a little bit in the fact that we had Wyatt going back in time to try and save his wife and <sighs> it didn't work out, and that sort of tested the team from a different way. Mm-hmm. I I just. Mm, I don't want Lucy and Wyatt together because it's going to roof, leave Rufus out in the in the cold. Well, well I was going to say Rufus would end up like essentially like Diggle from Arrow, and you got uh, Oliver and Felicity, and yeah. Diggle is the third. The third, <laughs> he has, to, you know, when Olicity is getting it on, Diggle, you know, Diggle has to leave the room or something. And to be fair, Arrow's had a bunch of seasons, so maybe it worked. Well, it looks like Jamie may have been delayed, so we'll see if he makes a grand entrance at the, before the end of the podcast. But considering we have to record Daytime Confidential immediately after that, we'll see how this goes. So, let's dive into our Riverdale discussion. Hopefully he shows up. Mel, the full season, the full, glorious, wonderful season of Riverdale has wrapped. Mm. What is your quick take on the season? Quick take on the season... For me, this is a show, it started out with tons of potential. You know, you have these four young characters, it's all based off the Archie comics. Um, Betty, Veronica, Jughead, Archie, you can tell they're going to be our main characters, and we kind of just follow them throughout the season. They have their, you know, teenage drama, they have their parents' drama, and then, you know, come to find out the parents have also had their own drama going back from high school. There's an all-encompassing story because... One of the children, Jason Blossom, has died. We have to figure out how he dies, you know. And the episodes just kind of flow naturally. But I will tell you, by the end of the season, I was screaming at the television in the best way possible. That last episode, episode 13, holy shit balls! From start to finish, it blows your mind. I cannot wait for season two just a great solid season and i'd like to see a show like that progress from where it's like okay i kind of like this this is good all right i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it and by the end when i'm like okay i 
immediately need 20 more episodes of this show <laughs> right now. I love shows that can make me do that. So this is definitely one of the better ventures from the CW, which tends to struggle sometimes. So I'm very proud of what they did with Riverdale. It's great. Mo, what's your quick take on the season? I, from start to finish, I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the show. I think that they subverted our expectations. Cause if you are familiar, if you, again, if you're familiar with the Archie comic series, it's very wholesome. I know that they've kind of played around with uh, the Archie mythos in various comics like Ar- afterlife and Archie, which is a zombie comic starring the Archie characters. But I think that the casting, they did a really good job with the teen characters. Archie, you, you know, he can you kind of have to warm up to him a little bit. Um, but I think, the string, another a, a great thing about the show is that they they had good strong adult characters to pair with the ki- with the teen characters because the the te- the parents weren't just sitting against the wall like wallflowers mm-hmm. they were just as they just they had as much of a story as the teen characters and i think that that makes the show really balanced i agree and i think that and we'll get into the parents later. What I, but what I found interesting about them is if we, you compare this to say a Gossip Girl, mm-hmm. where Lily and Rufus were the driving dynamic and um, amongst the adults, and then you had other parents like Chuck's dad and uh, Blair's mom, you would see them, but they didn't really have as integral a part for the most part. Whereas in this show the parents get almost as much airtime as the children. Mm-hmm. And I think they did really well with that. Um, my quick take on it is this is the show that I didn't know I needed after <laughs> Gossip Girl. Yep. I went into it with so many preconceptions based on the comics in that I was expecting Veronica, Archie, Betty. And that was blown to hell by the third episode in terms of that's obviously not where they're heading, at least initially. I was surprised by certain couples. The drama was good. I loved the over-the-topness that we got with some of the scenes. And so for me, this was a four and a half out of five star uh, first season. Let's talk a little bit about what we loved about it. Mo, who were your favorite characters and who were your not-so-favorite characters? I guess for me, one of my favorites was... Jughead and his father and his father FP. I thought they had a very interesting dynamic. I think that in terms of their overall story, it was just very much a very contemporary father-son relationship and just dealing with the issues that they were dealing with. I also loved Veronica and there mm-hmm. was I just she was very she's she's very very different than what I had envisioned in my mind for the character, especially just given my background and knowledge on the comics, I think she was much more of a friend to the characters than a friend of me, especially to Betty. And I like, I liked how with her, her relationship with Archie, you know, it just, it just kind of simmered along until it reached a boiling point. Um, in terms of my not so favorite characters, uh, I just, I- I'll be honest with you. I- Polly just didn't do a whole lot for me. And I think part of that is because they had built her and Jason's this. They had this like epic love, but we never saw 
it on screen. Yeah, everything took off. Right. It was off screen. And and so things were humming along and with the Coopers and and I just felt like that the energy she sometimes when Polly just came into the room, it just kind of sucked out the energy from that family, especially when it was the mom and uh the 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 uh, Mr. and Mrs. Cooper and Betty and then when they yeah Polly it's just like I don't know they lose a, they lose a little something there. Mel, who are your favorite and not so favorite characters? Favorite character hands down is my queen Veronica. I love this character, y'all. Like you don't even she doesn't take your crap from anyone. She's gonna tell you exactly what's on her mind. She didn't care if you like it, if they like it, my mama fuck. Forget everybody, okay? She don't care. <laughs> I love that character. I just think she's really just a, you know, well-written character. I also like Kevin a lot, too. Um, I think he's really good for, you know, comedy, but he's all, he also keeps it real, too. So I like him as well. Um, Not-so-favorite characters... Um, let's see. Well, I love to hate Betty's mom, Alice Cooper. <laughs> I love <laughs> Alice. <laughs> I can honestly say that. Every time I see her, I roll my eyes, but she makes me laugh at the same time. So I'm like, I can't stand you, but I need to keep you around, okay? Just stay. Um, I started off liking Veronica's mom, and now I'm like, you can go. You can She's a bit she turned into a bit stuff. of a wimp. Right? I'm like, you can get all of your things and leave because we don't <laughs> need you. Please get out of my sight. Um, and then let me see if there's anybody else I don't too much care for. Not everybody else is is okay. Oh, oh, I also have to say love characters. I love Josie and the Pussycats. I want to see more of them in season two because I feel like they didn't get too much of their due and I need more of them. So there we go. And we're going to discuss that a little bit later because I I feel like, well, I know that that's been one of the criticisms of the show. Um, and so we'll dive into that a little bit more. This show, in terms of the characterizations, was so surprising to me because normally I am not a good girl type fan. So I was fully expecting to not like Betty Cooper. Betty ended up being somehow one of my favorites. I wouldn't necessarily, she's not my favorite, but she definitely surprised me in ways that I didn't expect. And I, while I like Veronica a little bit more than Betty, the fact that I really like Betty and then I like her with Jughead for a Bughead pairing, <laughs> uh, I I think they're so cute together. We're going to um, talk about that because I'm going to destroy it. Okay. In terms of my favorite character, hands down, it's Cheryl uh, Blossom. <laughs> I just love her. She gets all the good one-liners. Veronica doesn't even get all the them. I mean, she called Archie's dad a dilf. She comes in and she's like walking. And I and I asked on Twitter for people's comments on them. And, and Jay Sample responded, Cheryl showing up at Jason's memorial in a white dress. Bughead, Jughead putting on the serpent jacket, and Dark Betty were their favorite moments. <laughs> Dark Betty was awesome. I like how Bughead came together. I love Dark Betty. But Cheryl and her family, I love the creepy house and how the grandmother is there. And I want to know if the grandmother survived the fire when Cheryl burns down the mansion. It, there's lots of great elements. Alice is definitely one of my favorite adults. I'm looking forward to seeing what Mark Consuelos does next season as Veronica's dad. 
um, because that's going to be fun. Is um, Molly Ringwald going to stick around? I haven't I haven't looked at the casting news on that, but I hope she does. I I kind of want her to because she's another one that doesn't have time for anybody's crap. Because that scene between her and Alice Cooper where they're (laughs) at the prom in the mirror, like Molly Ringo, I have never seen her so unbothered. She was like, What do you want, Alice? Okay, that's fine. Why are you still here? (laughs) It was fantastic. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it, it it totally was. If if there was a character on this show called Debbie Downer, it would be Jughead. The actor is doing a fantastic job in the role. Cole Sprouse is doing a great job. I was going to ask you which twin he was because I didn't know. But he the the character is just so depressing. I'm like, come on, let's like let's not. I, I realize that you're from the wrong side of the tracks. But even when you have a life on the wrong side of the tracks, there are still things that a person can aspire to. And I feel that he is just a giant ambient most of the time. I feel bad for the poor kid because nobody wants him. I mean, they're poor. They live in the trailer park. His dad (laughs) is an alcoholic. Okay, who was around half the time. His mom in the season finale, we he tried to go and see his mom in Ohio. And what did she say? Mm-mm, you can stay. I'm like, well, poor kid. Nobody wants him. So he goes to stay with Archie, his best friend, and Luke Perry. And, you know, because of the state that he can't even go stay with them. I'm like, this kid has got it rough. I'm sorry. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you, Mel, on uh, that. The fact is, is, is a Jughead is, it's, I mean, there's a lot of homeless car- car- kids, and so mm-hmm. I think that the, it's smart that this show is having that discussion through the character of Jughead. Plus, all these teen dramas always have at least one emo kid, you know. So I I totally get that, but does every single episode have to be emo? They couldn't even do his birthday. And make him have at least a little bit of a good birthday. Well, sometimes you can't win. <laughs> One out of 13 episodes. <laughs> two out of 13 episodes. Come on. He seemed to be really happy when he was doing the voiceovers. Yeah. Well, that's about the only time. He couldn't even get none off of Betty without getting interrupted. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Come on, let, let him get a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He couldn't. What was your favorite or what was your favorite storyline or storylines of the season, Mel? Um, favorite storyline I would say is just the big overarching who killed Jason because I I thought the end result was just fantastic because I I didn't predict it. Like I thought I honestly thought it was Cheryl. I was like Cheryl didn't kill this boy and she lied to everybody and she been lying to everybody for 13 episodes and I was wrong. Like it turned out to be the father and I was just like, "Whoa, this is crazy." And they were on some breaking bad stuff, you know, selling heroin instead of maple syrup. I was like, "What is going on? This is fantastic. Give me more." Um, I really like that a lot. Um, other storylines, I kind of, well, we'll know more about it since Marcus Suelos is coming on, but I want to know more about Veronica and Hiram and that whole story. I kind of want to see how more of that will play out. Um, anything else is my favorite. Oh, and the storyline between the parents, because... I, they just sit up there and they shade each other all day and I live. So I want more of that. So there we go. 
Mo, what was yours? What were your favorite storylines? The disintegration of the Cooper family. Um, you could just tell from just jump that there was something going on with that family, and that you know each episode you got a little, a little one additional little nugget. Something was just off. Whether it was um, something off with Hal, you know, because Hal, Hal seemed normal, and then you got to get about four or five episodes in, and he starts seeming a little shady. And I'm sorry, but anybody who marries Alice Cooper cannot be normal. <laughs> well, I'm sure she a freak. You can just tell Alice, Alice hey, is a freak. It, 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 I was about to say, I'm like, for, Alice do like she puts it down. I'm not she is a, she probably a freak. She was already, remember she Listen, just, and there is nothing wrong with being a freak. <laughs> I mean, look, she was already asking. She was sniffing around, wondering if um, Fred, you know, was... Fred and that gang, Fred and um, his ex-wife and uh, Veronica's mom were Polly, so you know, Jesus, you know, she's a little freak. But anyway, um, getting back, but that whole, it, it just, it was just very interesting, and it just turned into, like, this whole War of the Roses thing between Alice and Hal, and when they were throwing stuff at each other, and she, they busted out the window of the newspaper, and we're not, and we're sort of circling, but not landing on the big reveal, which was the fact that Betty Cooper and the Coopers aren't even Coopers; they're Blossoms. Man. And so, what did you guys think of that? I was like, they, 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 they tried to little, they tried to do a little Game of Thrones because you know everybody seemed to want uh, the Blossoms to. Um, have a little Game of Thrones action going on, so I guess they decided to give us the second best thing, which was, you know, but they're cousins who are doing it. So I think that was, um, I, I, th I think that they, they were trying to, um, <laughs> uh, so uh, pardon me. It, that was just crazy. That was just crazy when they revealed that they were, they were all re related. I want to talk a little bit about some of the characters that I would have liked to have seen more or I think was disserviced. Um, personally, I would have liked to have seen more of Kevin and Moose and less mm. of Kevin and the snake. I thought that Moose was wasted. Um, I'm just... What? The snake. <laughs> the snake. See, when he started laughing, that's what I was like, oh, oh, I can't. <laughs> fine, fine. Okay. I will give you that. <laughs> the Reggie character, the Reggie character, I didn't think got very much, uh, didn't get enough airtime. And that sort of brings me to Josie, who Josie is, it was in almost every single one of the promos for most of the season. And yet, when you look at her episode count, she has less episodes than Jason Blossom. And we saw her mother in almost every episode, but we didn't see Josie. And to me, that was a big disservice of the season. She should be wit up and among Veronica, Archie, Betty and Jughead, Preach. in my opinion, mm -hmm. she should be. And that was the, the real disservice to um, of the season in an otherwise flawless season. If she had had the same representation that the others had had, this would have been a five out of five season for me. But she deserved more than she got. And I and it, it just didn't ring true. Like, it didn't feel right to me as I was watching the season. 
Mel, what what characters do you think got a disservice, and what was it about Bughead that you hated? I'll start with the characters getting disservice. For me, it's Josie and the Pussycats. I mean. Come on, Josie and the Pussycats was a cartoon, a super popular cartoon from the 80s. So why would we not place more focus on them for the live series? And you're right. She absolutely needs to be up there with Betty and Jughead and Archie and Veronica. She needs to be the fifth. And I think you said it all when you said it's about representation. Think about that. It's about representation. We need to see her up there with the main characters because she is a main character. She's just not getting her due. And I want to see the other girls, too, because for a second there, Archie was screwing that girl that was in um, Josie and the Pussycats. And as soon as she popped up and he hit it, he quit it. So I'm like, well, come on. Valerie ended up with 11 episodes. Valerie ended up with two more episodes. Than Josie. Than Josie. It makes no sense. Like, we need more of her. I want to know more about her character her family, her story, incorporate her with the main girls. Like, I need that to happen. Point. That's it. Like, somebody do it. Okay. And what about Bughead? Oh, my God. These two characters. Oh, I just roll my eyes every time they sit up. I like them separately. Separately, they are fine. Together, snooze fest. I'm bored. I'm drooling on myself. Somebody put some paint a wall so I can watch it dry because it's more entertaining than Bughead. I can't, oh, they want to sit up here and they're all, oh, Betty's telling her mama, I love Jughead. This is me. No, no, you do not. You do not love him and she doesn't love you. Stop telling these lies to each other. They have their I love you. They decide they're finally going to sleep together. And like I said before, he couldn't even get none because people keep interrupting him. And I'm like, stop this. Stop saying these things to each other. You do not love each other. You don't. I Coitus just don't interrupt us? Yes. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't feel it. I just There's nothing that I feel like they're together because they're around. It's just like, ah, he's around. Ah, she's around. This will work. We'll do this. And we all know that Betty really does want Archie. And Archie is like, ah. ah." Archie is a man-hoe. Oh, absolutely. Archie gets more (laughs) ass in the toilet seat, okay? He he, he didn't ran through these women like planes on a runway. And I'm like, okay. But he, you know, I like, I kind of like him and Veronica. You know, that's my queen. So I kind of feel that. But it's just, Betty is all, no, I don't have a problem with you and Veronica. It's fine. No, it's not. Because you know you want him. Like, these are all lies. And I don't believe any of them when they say Betty and Jughead are so much in love. Lies. All of them lies. See, I'm going to throw this out here and then, like, run for cover. But after the Archie and Cheryl episode where he was there for her, I was like, damn it, screw Veronica and Betty. I want Archie and Cheryl together as Endgame. Um, Mo, um, what did you think of uh, the characters that were may have been disserviced or didn't get enough airtime? What did you think of Bughead? And do you think that um, it's as bad as Mel said? Well, about the characters who uh, got disservice, I totally agree about uh, Josie and the Pussycats. I mean, you don't cast, you know, Robin Givens as the mother, you know, and then her daughter is just, you know, 
background a background character doesn't make sense. There was so much potential in that episode in which uh, Josie's father showed up and her father was just constantly just heaping on and just and just and just complaining about the type of music Josie uh, was trying out and how she wasn't a real artist. There was just so much richness there. And I really do hope that they go back and, and explore that in, in season two. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more Reggie, but from what I understand, the actor who played Reggie wasn't available that much because he was doing yeah, a Netflix show. But I understand that character is being re- has been recast, so we will get a new Reggie next season and hopefully we'll get a little bit more Reggie. Now, in terms of Bughead, you know, I'm okay with Bughead. I think that I think they're cute. And Mel, you're right. I don't necessarily think that Betty loves him, but I think that right now, you know, she doesn't want to be alone. And the fact that they kind of need each other, but I'm I'm wondering if they're gonna go some sort of Save by the Bell route, and you know, they end up switching partners at some point. Because it's a CW show. Oh, I do not want Veronica with Jughead. No. That's too much woman for him. He don't know what to do with all that. No, and the th- and, that, and that's the thing that, and maybe we'll see this more in the new season with Reggie being recast, but I don't really feel like this season Archie had a good male rival. And for me, that was something that was lacking. Um Maybe that will change when Reggie's the new actor's playing Reggie. But for me, that was a bit of a dis- disappointment because it's like he just sort of gets to skate through the whole season with very little confrontations. Well, at the same time, Cheryl is confronting all the girls, Archie. I mean, the only person who Archie's ever really confronted by is Cheryl. And then uh, Valerie, after he she ke- finds out about him and Veronica. You know, I think with with Archie that I think off for at least initially his rival was the ghost of Jason Blossom because it was just they were they were constantly doing these comparisons like, you know, Archie with the jersey, you know, Archie with with Cheryl. You know, it was just constantly it it was as if Archie was trying to be some sort of substitute for Jason in which, you know, when it came to that maple ceremony you know he truly did become jason the replacement jason yeah and i I guess that's a fair enough analysis i i can totally see what you're saying there but it's really hard when you have a white bread character like archie to create i mean yes you can create um a rivalry with the memory of jason but when he has nothing to play off of and all of that is done in flashbacks that doesn't give Archie the opportunity to be dynamic because it's all in flashbacks. Well, I guess right now he doesn't need to be too dynamic because he's flashing his abs and, you know, sleeping with everybody. I mean, like... and, and going when, when Archie was like beating the ice with his hands, I'm like, seriously, stupid. it was, dumb. it was, it was, and it they was, all let, they, you let five people sit there and watch him do that stupid stuff. And they're like, standing in a circle around him on ice. Anybody who knows that when you're trying, like, on ice, you spread out to distri- uh, distribute the weight so that if there is a crack, not everybody goes down at once. And they're all standing there as he's going, Archie, go smash! Archie, go smash! Archie, go smash! I'm like... This is the like that was the biggest eye roll moment of the season for me. 
Other people, I was talking to Jamie about it. He thought it was very dramatic, and I will give you that. It was dramatic. It was dramatically dumb. That's what it was. But it was a beautifully shot scene. I mean, it was. The cinematography of this season started out a little bit like too many, like, dust coming through lighted windows but they sort of got to they cleaned that up as the season progressed so by the end of the season everything was just beautiful joining us now special guest star jamie giddens welcome jamie i wasn't sure you're going to be able to make it and i'm, I'm glad you did sorry um yes and i we luke and i have a running thing that i don't read his emails often and i just assumed that we would be taping geek confidential after daytime confidential so i went to la fitness trying to get my my fitness on for the summer and i get out and i see all these missed calls and i'm like why are you calling me and i'm like oh it was an hour ahead of dc sorry hi mel hi mo <laughs> GC always records first in case DC goes long. I have a little. I have Whatever extra time you mean at the is end. if daytime confidential is long winded, is that what you're talking what? about? I am not saying that at all. But I do think that, like, <laughs> when we have our 10th anniversary episode for daytime confidential, we will have to have something about people not reading emails in there because it is a little bit of an ongoing thing. Because before the podcast, Mel was telling Mo how no one reads my emails. <laughs> Unless um, we have a discussion about Luke sending out outlines five minutes before the podcast. Yeah, and, and that's and that's what I said. I said, listen, I said, I have, I mean, it's one of those things where I was sending them out and then I wasn't, and it all depends on whatever's going on. And so it will be interesting to have, it will be interesting to have that a- anniversary episode. I'm just ready so, for the ABC uh, retrospective, you know, like when Dynasty did their, um, well, Luke, you wouldn't know this, but Dyn- ABC did this Dynasty retrospective and like Esther Shapiro and Joan Collins just kept shading each other all the way through it, through the confessionals. That'll be the, the, DC, the daytime confidential retrospective. Luke will be like, they never read my emails. And then it'll cut to me. He never learned the, the Martin family tree on all my children. Leave me alone. <laughs> Uh, so let's, let's get back on track. Cause we do have to read core DC after this, the season finale, the big cliffhanger shocking moment was Fred was shot in the diner. Mel, did you see that coming? No, I had no clue it was coming cause they had already put on the little happy music. And I was like, Oh, it's over. This is the end. It's the like season two. We're going to see where we go. And then all of a sudden you see somebody is robbing the diner who actually, I think is FP that's riding the diner, but that's a whole other story. Um, anyways, you see someone is robbing the diner. You see Archie come in. Fred is there. He's like, no, don't do it. Archie, don't do it. And of course he don't listen. So Archie goes, tries to take down the robber and Fred gets shot. Oh my God. What's going to happen? He's bleeding out on the floor and the scene cuts to black. Now that's a fantastic cliffhanger for a first season show. I want to know who did it. What was the motivation? Is Fred going to make it? How is this going to affect Archie? I just, there's so many questions. See, here's my question to you. Just following up this because you mentioned it earlier. What if his death 
would allow Molly Ringwald to then return because she wants Archie to stay there. And you have that's how she comes to town and stays. Works would you me. be okay with that? Or do you want Fred to stay alive? I, I mean, Fred is good. I like the relationship he has with Archie. But if he died, it would create a lot more conflict. And we would have Molly Ringwald's character back. So I don't know. There's a lot of potential in it. Mo, what did you think of the cliffhanger? I was I was shocked that Fred took a bullet, but you know I figured something was something was coming. You know, um, but initially I figured that a car would pull up and Hiram's leg would get out of the get out of a car is what I was I thought was going to happen, but you know I I think I'm actually going to disagree with you all about uh, uh, Fred dying. I think that there is more potential with Fred staying and obviously we've got the we've got to have a, a fred hiram showdown i mean they both are sniffing around hermione lodge there is that history between fred and hermione that they've got to play up we need to know why that fred and hermione broke up obviously we know it has to do with hiram i th- I, I think that there is that that tension there personally i think the person who shot fred i think it was kevin keller's snake <laughs> snake fred okay um who actually did it but do you think he's that tall well it just it just seemed like really weird because when the robber came in when the when the robbery was happening he kind of looked at him and it was kind of like he knew them it was just it just seemed weird to me it felt like that they all had a connection or they knew each other or something um but i also wouldn't be surprised if you know hiram had set that up too to get uh fred shot as as payback. Well, and the and the voiceover sort of hinted that it was it wasn't a random act. So if it wasn't random, who was responsible? Jamie, what did you think of the cliffhanger? I thought it was a great cliffhanger. It in keeping with comic book legend, it um, you know, even though Archie was never an action comic, um, well, it, it has some variations. I know it even did it even dealt with zombies at one point, but it definitely follows the Spider-Man um, Bruce Wayne mythology of the, you know, the aw shucks boy having his life altered by the potential death of a patriarch. I am praying that, you know, not just because I love Dylan McKay, but I'm just, I'm praying that Fred makes it because I think he is essential to the show. Like Mo was saying, um, he has to face off with uh, Hiram Lodge. Hermione was the girl that got away from him. Um, this their this love triangle started in high school. Um, to me, Riverdale's strength. Uh, the kids are incredible, and I love them. But I feel that its true strength is that it's so multi generational, and I think that Archie, Hermione, and Hiram's triangle just adds layers to what's going to happen with Betty, Veronica, Jughead, and um, Archie. So I'm praying that he makes it. Molly Ringwald was a weak link for me as a parent. Look, I, I loved Molly. I you loved Molly. shut your mouth. I loved I'm her sorry. growing up, but, you know, but no, I'd rather have Fred there uh, as the parent than Molly. Um, I hope Nev Campbell comes on as Jughead's mom because I want to skeet Ulrich Nev Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I I enjoyed the the cliffhanger because you you know I mean 
Dallas taught us best. If you're going to be away for a couple of months, you need to have something to make people tune in on that first episode coming back. You know, um, I'm more in line with Mo also. Me and Mo are agreeing a lot. Uh, I think that Hiram probably set this up, um, you know, because, I mean, he has to know. He seems like one of those all-powerful soap uh, villains who knows what's going on even if he's not in town. And, you know, the fanfic writer in me, because we now know that Alice Cooper put up a child for adoption, which I'm wondering, is this going to be Chick? You know, in the comic book, Betty has an older brother named Chick, but for the show... Um, it, it seems like Polly is her only sibling that she grew up with, uh, um, I'm assuming. But this older sibling, I wonder if he's the shooter, because that would be a dramatic way to introduce him if the Coopers are looking for this long-lost sibling next season, and then he just happens to be the person that Hiram Lodge either hired to pop Fred or randomly was, well, you know, Jughead did say, that it wasn't random. So yeah, I thought it was a good, a good moment. And you know, it's, it's, it's so keeping in line with horror fiction too, even though this isn't truly a horror story, but it's like anytime virginity is lost or anytime anyone gets some sex, you know, death follows sex. That's, you know, (laughs) cinema has taught But poor Jughead can't get it up. Well, he got it up. He just, People knocked on his door. Good grief. There's no teenage boy that can't get it up, Luke. They get it up by... I was being sarcastic. They get it up by eating Cheerios in the morning. Everything gets you up at 16 years old. The thing is, you might not last long at 16, but I doubt he has any problem getting it up. The wind blows and they get it up. But no, I mean, the whole... All the... What are they called? The snakes? The serpents? The The serpents. The snake. Uh, you know, yeah, they they were all knocking on his little trailer house door with a gummy dog, so that ruined the moment. <laughs> Jamie, so what did you think of this season? What who were your your favorite teens? Who what were your favorite storylines? Which characters were underserviced for you? What was the best story arc and what do you Ooh, think needs improvement? Mercy Heavenly Father. Listen, a, this is what happens a, when you make a grand entrance a, at the end of the podcast. SAT question there. <laughs> um so I really loved this show this season. I I feel it was a perfect mixture of a teen soap and a mystery. Um there definitely were characters that stood out for me. Um, I love the casting for Betty and Veronica, and I was so worried when the casting, you know, first was announced. But I was wrong, wrong, wrong. I love Hermione Lodge. Um, I've already gushed over Fred. I think Archie is perfectly cast. And when you find out that the actor KJ Appa is actually Hawaiian and as far away from all American redhead boy that he could be. And so that that's pretty much the magic of cinema that turns him into Archie Andrews. Uh, I just think he's amazing. Um, uh, Cole Sprouse is a pro as Jughead. Yeah. I just, this whole cast, uh, my only, and you know, basically the casting news for season two pretty much settles a lot. My only real gripe because I do feel that Kevin Keller didn't get as much 
storyline love as I would have liked. And but he's been up to series regular for season two. They're also bringing in someone to play Reggie Mantle full time. That was that was something that was a little odd for me, having read probably 200 of the comic books. It's like Reggie is Archie's nemesis. So only seeing him like seven episodes, you know, sporadically was odd. And even when he was seen, he he was only like menacing like once, maybe. Um (laughs) So that was a little bizarre. Um, what did you think of people's critique of Josie? Because we discussed the fact that she was underused and should have been part of the main four. What are your thoughts um, on that criticism of the show? Well, I don't think she should. Well, the thing of it is, a lot of people, and you know, myself included, we 90210 was so the template for how this type of drama was done. Um, so we're kind of used to if there are eight characters, there are eight storylines, you know, that goes all the way back to the old days of teen soaps where you had, you know, yeah, Brandon and Brenda had their stories, but then, Oh no, Andrea doesn't live in Beverly Hills like the rest of them. She's a little bit poor. And, and, you know, that's a secret, you know, so we're, we're used to getting all those stories for all eight characters. Whereas with this show, it wasn't just a traditional character driven slice of life soap opera that follows a you know teenagers it w- it had that heavy who killed jason blossom mystery arc um so that that sets it apart from old school teen soaps it's more aligned with pretty little liars or um desperate housewives or some of the more modern shows that um start with a big mystery and so a lot of the main characters and main storylines were tied to paying service to that mystery. And Josie wasn't a part of that big mystery. I feel like for season two, we will get more of Josie of Kevin Keller. Um, I will say this because of the fact it was a little bit more glaring because they used Josie so much for their bumpers, for their, um, for their make you know makeup branded advertising and it's like see how Josie becomes Josie and it's like but we don't see Josie um, so yeah they could actually they, you know and I'm sure they will but I mean no I mean if in the original comics I mean it's it's a it's the Betty Archie and Veronica show with Jughead you know Jughead is a is one of the most beloved characters but I mean the the true I mean it's it's a you know, the, the central trio is who they really had to serve, and I think they did that well. Cheryl Blossom is one of, you know, Luke, we've talked about this. Cheryl Blossom was one of the most unliked characters in the history of Archie Comics, but they found a way to make her super viable and super good for this project. So that probably, Josie was more popular with comic book fans, obviously, than Cheryl Blossom, but Cheryl Blossom was more integral to the a story the murder of her brother and the feud between the blossoms and the coopers and finding out they were incestuously linked and all of that so i do think that because josie's mother is the mayor and the mayor is power hungry and hiram lodge is coming back i do foresee more opportunity to use her in season two but yeah i mean that I'd like to see more of Josie and Kevin and Moose. Uh, you know, everywhere. You know, the Kevin's storyline with the snake was good again for the um, for the for the overall umbrella story. But I want to know. I mean, to me, it was so much more hot 
that he was banging Moose, and I would love to see a Moose Midge uh, Kevin, and then and then bring back the the serpent, and you know, kind of have a a very unique quad for um, television. So yeah. So did you have a, a favorite scene, standout moment, or and was there anything that really made that your eyes roll? We had just finished discussing how um, our favorite moments, and then I brought up the fact that. Archie goes smash and the ice was the biggest eye roll, the eye roll for me of the season and Mel agreed. What was your best moment? Oh, and what I was love, your biggest I, eye roll moment? I loved that moment. I thought that was so dramatic and so incredible. And yes, I had to suspend my disbelief, but I, as a long-term television viewer, I suspend my disbelief all day long, every day. I mean, I just watched Olivia Pope murk the, the vice president of the United States and then go have coffee. So <laughs> I'm used to suspending my disbelief. And Archie is kind of buff. I, I believe he can crack that ice. Look, he's been cracking. My point was, my point was, ice. I don't, he, he can crack ice. I, I have no doubt about that. But having all of them stand so close together right behind him of goes course, against everything you know about standing on ice. They should be yeah, spread out or should, else they're all going to go yeah, they through. They all should be dead right now. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I'm, we need a season two so we can't actually have proper things happen. Well, um, I don't watch television for documentaries, so I'm okay with dramatic license. Um, no, my favorite scene... Um, I don't know if I can pick a favorite scene, but I will say anything that involved um, the Blossoms estate. <laughs> oh, that hunting dog scene where they're all in, like, red and black and white. Well, and I that died. creepy grandmother... Um, yes. Oh, I loved Betty's mother uh, when the father fires her from the newspaper, chucking a brick. Because if that ain't what Tina Giddens would have done, I don't know. Yeah, my mother would have been like, oh, I'm fired from the family newspaper. Well, let me see if I can help this out a little bit. So I loved it when she threw that rock through, um, <laughs> you know, narrowly missing her husband's head. Um, that was a great scene. Um I liked when everybody showed up to help Fred when Fred was in danger of losing his construction business and all the hunky boys showed up to um, basically get their fingers cut off because, as you all know, construction work is not easy. And a bunch of teenage boys who don't know what they were doing, somebody was about to get maimed. And Fred's insurance... Since we're, since we're being... Ca I'll be Captain Literal like Luke, too. You know, all it was going to take is for one of those boys to lose a finger and Fred was going to be shut down for life. But... Anyway, it was a good show. I really enjoyed it. I have not watched 13 Reasons Why, which is the other big teen show that debuted mm. this year, but I'm going to go ahead and binge that so that I can compare and contrast. So as we wrap up this um, special Riverdale episode with a twist of Timeless, Mel, what are your final thoughts on the season? Um, final thoughts on the season, really fantastic um, last episode, it sets up a lot of story for season two, especially since we know, you know, the Blossom family has now disintegrated. Uh, Fred has been shot. How is that going to affect everyone? Um, the snakes, the serpents, whoever have kind of, you know, saying, hey, Jughead, we'll take you under um, our wing if you really want to. So I'm interested to see where all this goes. And we know that Hiram is going to show up. So... It's going to be, if season two is going to be anything like season one, bring it on. Mo, final thoughts? Um, 
overall, I think that uh, the CW proved that they could still do teen shows, that bread and butter, because we know that they do a lot of superhero shows. But um, this this was just a phenomenal show. Um, I'm looking forward to more Jones family drama. I really want to see what's going on with uh, Jughead's mother. I want to know about the secret Cooper child. Um, and I'm hoping that maybe Miss Miss Grundy, uh, you know, her and her Volkswagen bug will show back up in Riverdale because, you know. Uh, okay. Not that Archie isn't manho enough. We could bring her back. Oh, my God. He's had two women. Manho. <laughs> he he is that show's manho. Jamie, your final thoughts? Well, since you brought up the sex, my final thought is, wow, for Jughead to be a virgin, he sure know how to throw a girl around the room. <laughs> that sex scene, it was so funny. Like, Archie and I, you know, Archie and Veronica, Archie obviously is experienced. He's been screwing a 30-year-old woman. And, you know, Veronica comes from comes New York. Comes from New York. <laughs> right, so... Poor New Yorkers. But New Yorkers are no, like, no, no cliches intended right. about New Yorkers. But, you know, New York girls are probably a little more worldly. <laughs> but the Jughead and Betty sex scene was a bit like, wait, y'all doing Sharon Stone and um, <laughs> Michael Douglas and Jughead? Like, when you're a 16-year-old boy, you're just, like, hoping, please don't ejaculate before I am into her. Please don't <laughs> ejaculate before I am into her. And he's all like... Yeah, baby, I'm going to ravish you. So that was just kind of like, go ahead, Jughead. What have you been doing over there in that abandoned uh, movie theater? He's been by himself a lot. I'm just saying. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe maybe after the theater's open, he watches or closes. He watches some. Big Ethel was going over there. No. Oh, that's what they call her. Look, I'm big, so of all people. But no, in the comic book, she's called Big Ethel. Where you going? Okay. Um, my final thoughts are: I love it. I can't wait to see more. I really need Cheryl and Archie to be Endgame, even though I know that's a total pipe dream. And I need the person who thinks Sansa is gonna rule the Seven Kingdoms. What? No, I never said she was going to rule the Seven Kingdoms. I just want her to be Wardeness of the North. You are the saint of, of coupledoms and heroes that no one else Never will I, Hey, that's p- totally fine. I also need Jughead to not be so depressing all second season. He needs to have some up episodes. On that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find Melody on Twitter at Melody Akles. Jamie is at Jamie underscore Giddens. I'm at Luke underscore Kerr. And Mo, is it Dr. Mo? Yes. On Twitter? Dr. Mo 77. Dr. Mo 77. You can find him there. Um, weigh in. Oh, I have to just mention this for Dan because Dan would kill me if I didn't. He, his thing was, he texted me and he was like, they got the Sabrina mention in. He, uh, Jughead's dad was reading the comic and it was a Sabrina comic. Oh, I didn't And I was like, so he, that's what he mentioned. He said they did it slyly. So I want to make sure that I encourage, or mention that. I thought Jughead was going to be living with the Spellmans when they said that he was living with someone on that side of the lake. Cause you know, the Spellmans live on that side of the lake. So I thought that's how they'd introduce her, that she'd be uh, well, his foster I guess, sister, but I was wrong. I guess KJ um, had said he was going to get it into the season finale. And so they got it in by having the comic with her on the comic in there. 
We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long.